men. Now let us turn for a few moments tonight here in this passage of scripture, here in Luke chapter 12. And we want to consider here this parable that the Lord Jesus Christ gave here concerning this rich man. And of course the context of this parable is that of covetousness. Note the words here in the verse 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. And then in the verse 15, And he said unto them, Take heed, and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Covetousness, of course, is really, it is greed. It is a hunger. It is a lust for the things of this world. Property, perhaps, money, and all of that. But the sad thing about it all is this, that it can't really be satisfied. It can't be satisfied. We've heard the old saying, that the more a man gets, the more he wants. And that's how it is with greed. And with covetousness. And we often sing so many of our hymns. Now none but Christ can satisfy. And how true that is. The Lord is able for to meet our needs. And of course our real need is that of the heart. Of the inner man. Only the gospel can meet that need. And truly satisfy us. And satisfy that hunger and thirst that is within us by nature. Now a man here came to the Savior. And he wanted uh, to share or to this property to be divided with him as well as his brother. We know it was the right of the firstborn uh, to have that double portion of the inheritance. And perhaps this man here wanted an equal share with him. That under the law, by the law, that he was not really entitled to. But we note here the words of our Savior and how important they are. He said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? It's interesting here that the Lord was not going to intervene uh, in this worldly matter, in this worldly dispute between this man and his brother. Over this inheritance. Because you see the spiritual. Uh, is the most important. Not the earthly thing. And the Lord as it were stood back. He stood aloof from this. And was not prepared at all for to get involved. But we note here the words in the verse 15. The warning. And he said unto them. Take heed. Beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And of course, we're all well acquainted with a man's thinking today, with his frame of mind. And as far as the world is concerned, well, it's all about what we possess, the abundance of things that a man possesses. That's the all-important thing. And uh, that's why the Lord uh, pinpointed this problem. A man's life consisted not in the abundance 
of the things which he possesses. And of course, that's the thinking, isn't it? Well, it's what I have, what I can gain. As many riches as possible, as much property as as possible. And that really is what my life consists of. And the spiritual is ignored and is altogether forgotten. Life is more than, than just the material. And that, of course, is the problem today all around us everywhere. It is let us eat, let us drink, let us be merry, for tomorrow we die. And how sad that is. Now this man here is not condemned because he is rich. No man is condemned uh, because he has an abundance of riches or because he is successful in business. Uh, We note here that his ground, it brought forth plentifully and uh, it was prosperous and he was rich. A man is not condemned for that at all. His ground was fruitful. What is wrong then? Why is the man condemned, this rich man? And he's referred to as a fool. But God said unto him in verse 20, Thou fool. And of course it all comes back to priorities. And the priority of scripture for each and every one of us is seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. No, a man is not condemned for being a good businessman or successful, doing well. He's not condemned merely because he does well in his, in his uh, farm. man is not condemned for that. But oh, when this becomes the, the main reason, the priority for living, just for the material things, then that man is referred to just as a fool. He's forgotten about the brevity of life. He's forgotten about why, why he ever commit, was brought into the world, why he was ever created. And his chief end, of course, as we know, and how good, uh, how good a response that is in our shorter catechism, his chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. To enjoy him forever. But what a tragedy. When a man sets God to one side, when he's out for his own ambitions, living for the world, for all he can gain, and then he forgets about eternity. No thought of eternity at all. Or if occasionally a thought does come to his mind, it is set to one side. No interest. What a tragedy. He has forgotten about this great truth of Scripture, that we're all going to have to stand before God. We're all going to have to come before the Lord. And in the verse 17, we read these words. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my goods. That was his thinking. He thought within himself. And we're reminded in Proverbs chapter 23 in the verse 7. For as... As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart. If we want to find out what a man is like, if we want to discover the real person, uh, ourselves and others, we must go to the mind. 
We must go to the mind. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So as we think, that's what we really are. We're no higher, we're no better than our thoughts. What are our thoughts? God looks upon the heart. Man looks upon the outward appearance. But God looks upon the heart. And he he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. So we want to think of this for a few moments tonight together. Now he considered here his earthly goods his own. That was his thinking. He considered his earthly goods his own. Note what it says here, we've read in the verse 17, he thought within himself, what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? This is the produce of the land. Yes, it has been fruitful. It has produced well. He has done well. And as far as he is concerned, it is mine. Belongs to me. It's my fruit. That's my possession. We have it again in the verse 18. He said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And of course, his thinking was wrong. His mind was wrong. Oh, how important. How important is our thinking? And how important is the mind? The mind. You know, there's so many people today and they think the scripture has nothing at all to say about the mind, the mind of man. They think, well, it's an outdated book. This book we have opened before us tonight, it's outdated. It was all right for our uh, parents and grandparents, but it's not up to date. And it doesn't really answer the great problems of our society. But isn't it wonderful how up to date the book is? It is right up to date. And it refers to the mind of man. It's amazing how many books are turned out every year on psychology. How we're to think. Books turned out helping us to think right and to set our minds right. But of course they're all false. They all lead man, they all lead people, not upward toward God, but they lead him downward. They're on a downward path. You say, why is that? Because they have been written by great men and great scholars. And they have great qualifications and everything else. Well, the reason that they're leading downward and away from God is because they have no time for God. They're earthly. And all the advice that they give is of the world. It's of their own thinking. But you see, brethren, tonight how man is wrong in his mind. His mind is, is wrong. And because his mind is wrong, his whole life is wrong, everything is out of order. Doesn't the scripture exhort us time and time again that we are to set our minds upon things above and not upon things of the earth? That's to be our priority. We're to mind the things of God. We're to mind the word of God. But this man here, his thinking is wrong. And when people forsake the word of God, why is there so much sorrow tonight? Why is there so much darkness? Why are people, so many people tonight, bewildered and cast down and at their wit's end 
It's because they have forsaken the gospel. They have forsaken the house of God. They have forsaken the word of God. And their thinking is wrong. Oh, what a lesson there is there for each and every one of us. Young person, keep in the word. It speaks to your mind. It tells us how to think and what to think upon. Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace. Thou shalt keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed upon thee. Isn't that wonderful? The mind stayed upon God and the things of God. That's to be our priority. Young person tonight, keep your mind stayed upon the scriptures. Read the word, study it. Come to the house of God to hear the word preached and expounded. It's your food. It's your strength. Aye, and it's your health as well. This man's mind was wrong. He talks here about, as I say, my fruits and my barns. But you know, the truth is this. Not only concerning this rich man here, but concerning every one of us tonight here in church. That all that we have is just entrusted to us, really. It's entrusted to us. It's leased to us from God. The Lord allows us in his mercy. He allows us to have certain things. Yes, he allows the businessman to do all right. He allows the farmer to prosper. He gives us a measure of health and strength. But everything that we have tonight really is entrusted to us. It's leased to us. A farmer, perhaps sometimes, he will lease a certain amount of land maybe to his neighbor. And he has, he has that land. He has leased so many acres and he has it for maybe 12 months or a couple of years. Leased. Now, the man that uh, takes the land, he pays a rent, but he doesn't own it. No, he, his neighbor owns it. It's just leased to him. The man might change his mind after a year, the owner, or perhaps after a couple of years, and he'll say to him, well, no, I'm, I'm not going to lease it again. I'm just going to keep it now, and I'm going to work it on myself. And so it is with all that we possess tonight. Our home, and thank God for that, Family, aye, and if you're prospering tonight, thank God for that as well, as long as you're putting the Lord first. But all that we have is just leased to us. The Lord allows us to have it. And it was the Lord who allowed this man to have these things. His good land, his fruitful crops, all of that. God in his mercy and in his loving kindness allowed him to have these things. But we must remember at the end of it all, what of course people don't remember, is that we owe everything to God. We owe everything to the Almighty. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of course, people today don't, and I'm sure we all have to admit before we were converted, we were all thinking the same thing. We are our own gods. Man is his own god. And he is the master of his own fate and his own ship, but he's not. God allows people certain things. 
If we turn just for a moment, there now in the book of Psalms, and there we have it. And there's many, there's many passages. But look at that Psalm, that Psalm 65 and the verse 9. Psalm 65 and in the verse 9. Thou visitest the earth and waterest it. Thou greatly enrichest it with the river of God, which is full of water. Thou preparest them corn when thou hast so, uh, so provided for it. It's the Lord who visits the earth, waters the earth, allows the rain to come, I and allows the crops to flourish and to grow. It's God. He has all of these things in his hand. He can withhold them as well. If he so pleases, he can withhold them. I was reading recently just the words of old Bishop J.C. Ryle, and he said, God has many ways for to punish a people or punish a country when they turn their back upon him. He can cause an economic collapse. He can cause confusion in government. He can send sickness and plagues. These are the words of, of, of Bishop Ryle. So many ways. But the Lord is the one who visits the earth. He is the one who gives the prosperity. God gives the increase. We have it again in the Psalm 68 and in the verse 19. The psalmist says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loatheth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. Daily loatheth us with benefits. He gives us our daily bread. Oh, let us ever be thankful for it. He bestows all these things upon his people. But you see, when people's minds are not right and when they're not stayed upon God, when they're not conformed to God, this man here, this man here is a pattern for the whole world. He's talking about his barns. He's talking about his wealth. But it's only laced to him. For a while. That's it. You remember the words of the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 17 in the verse 28? And this is regards, this is regards, brethren, to every step we take every day. Every step we take every day. You know now people have these watches and uh, you, can, uh, you can count, they can give you a number of the steps when you go on a walk. You have taken a thousand steps or five thousand steps. Oh, there's so much we take it for granted. But here in Acts chapter 17 and the verse 28, the Apostle Paul reminds us of the greatness of God. In him we live and move and have our being. Not wonderful. In him we live and move and have our being. We cannot take a breath apart from God. You can't take a step apart from God. Oh, how quickly things can change. How quickly things can change. You're in good health one day and you're flourishing and you're feeling strong, but we know not what a day may bring forth. We have to cast ourselves upon the mercy of the Almighty God. Let us all be thankful that we can, like what Spurgeon said on one occasion, that we're able to get out of the bed every morning. We're able to go about our business and about our work. Thank God for it. Let us not take things for granted. In him you live and move and have your being. 
Are we thankful? Or do we think like this man here, that he was in charge of everything? He was, he was his own master, talking about his barns and all the rest of it. And Job reminds us there in the book of Job, the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Look at the awful confusion. And where does it come in? The confusion comes in in our society, in our world, because there is a denial of God, the supreme judge of the Almighty. People forget about his mercies, forget about his goodness. But there's something else here as well. He thought that the material things could satisfy his soul, could make him happy. You see in the verse 19, hear what we read. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. This man here is, is looking ahead. He's seeking security for the future. He wants to be ready for old age. He wants plenty laid up in store, so he's going to want for nothing. And he's thinking that all of this, the material, is going to really satisfy his soul, his inner man. It's going to satisfy the very core of his being. Much goods laid up for many years. He's seeking security. And of course, he's occupied with himself. He's occupied with himself. But what has the Lord given, coming back to the mind again, and how important it is, and, and I know we need to be careful, and we, we need to be filled with sympathy for people, young people and older people who are having a terrible time with the mind, and we can't speak lightly of it, and we must we must, as I say, have mercy and we must be filled with sympathy. But what has God given us a mind for? What has God given to you a mind for? And a conscience that you're able to think and you're able to evaluate things. You're able to weigh up matters. We're more than an animal. That's a popular belief, isn't it? That we're just a few steps advanced above the animal. But man has a mind, how wonderful, a mind to think. And of course, God has given to us a mind that we might glorify him. That we might glorify him in this life and in this world. That's what he has given us a mind for. My meditation, the psalmist said, my meditation of him shall be sweet. Meditate upon, upon God. Set your mind upon him. And when you, feel, when you feel the pressures of this old life and this world coming in upon you, and you feel the weight and the burden of it, oh, open the scriptures. Lift up your heart to God. God has given you a mind to think. Clearly. You can set your mind upon the word and set your mind upon God and if you're saved tonight, there's many things that we need to remind ourselves of. Martin Lloyd-Jones said on one occasion, 
we lose out an awful lot in this day and generation because we, we don't talk to ourselves. We don't speak to ourselves. At one time, if uh, you heard of, of somebody speaking to themselves, well, you'd say that we're gone bonkers. But we need to speak to ourselves. We need to talk to ourselves and remind ourselves continually who we are and what God has done for us. Yes, we're sinners saved by grace, praise God. But doesn't the scripture, doesn't the word of God take us higher even than that? Doesn't Peter remind us that we are kings and priests unto God? We're members of the royal household. The Lord is our saviour. God is our heavenly father. We need to remind ourselves of these things. God has given us a mind to meditate upon his truth. Created in his image. How edifying it is to think of this. Thou hast set all the borders of the earth. Thou hast made summer and winter. To think of the greatness, as I said this morning, and the glory of God. Oh, how up to date the word of the Lord is concerning the mind. And of course, it sets out before us in detail just the attitude of so many. Take note, we have it in verse 22. He says, take no thought for your life. What ye shall eat, neither for the body, what ye shall put on. And isn't it great as well if we want to know, is there a standard of living set out in the scripture? Has the scriptures anything to say about the standard of living and what we need? How much we need? Yes, it has. We have it here and many other places as well. And we have it in 1 Timothy, in the chapter 6. Take no thought for your life. Don't be over anxious about it. Don't be cast down and don't be worried about it. Take no thought for it. And isn't that the thing that multitudes of people are weighed down with at this moment? What about tomorrow? How am I going to survive? How am I going to meet all of these needs? But what is our need really? What is our need? What is the standard of living? What we shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat and the body is more than raiment. And Paul reminds us in 1 Timothy, having food and raiment, let us there be with content. Not too much contentment today, is there? And when we were growing up, my generation and many folk here in the church can identify with this. We just had enough to keep us going. Just enough. Everything was hand-me-downs in families. But... We had food, and we had raiment, and the Apostle Paul be content with that. And he tells us why in 1 Timothy 6. He says, we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. We can carry nothing out. Wasn't it Alexander the Great that gave the command that when they were carrying his remains... 
They were carrying his remains. He says, I want both of my hands. I want both of my hands to hang down on either side as you carry me along. And they asked him, why? The man who had conquered so much. What kind of a statement is that? Why do you want that? Why do you want people to see your your two hands hanging down each side of the coffin or the platform that they carried him on? He says, I want everybody to see that in spite of all that I have conquered and all I have done, I'm going out empty-handed. I'm going out empty-handed. And so it is with each and every one of us when our time comes. You see, he thought the material things could satisfy his soul. But the whole thing came far short. Oh, the folly of it all. The greed and the pride and the jealousy and everything else. You remember the words of Augustine? You've heard them many a time, I'm sure. He says, we are restless until we find our rest in thee. Is there somebody in the meeting tonight and you're not satisfied, you're not happy and you're restless? You're restless with life? You're wondering what it's all about? You're wondering how you're going to end up and how you're going to go on? Oh, dear friend, tonight in the meeting, the Lord has the answer. The Lord has the answer. And the answer is that you commit your all to him. That you trust him for salvation. You remember the words. When we're speaking about plenty. And we're speaking about food. And we're speaking about wealth and everything else. Listen to the words of our Savior. In John chapter 6 and in the verse 35. He says I am the bread of life. Are you hungry tonight? And maybe there's somebody you're thinking to yourself. Well I've been to the pub a whole lot of times. I've been to the pub with my friends. I'm trying the drugs and immorality and everything else. But it's not working. Not working. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Not wonderful. You're hungry, you're thirsty, and you're trying every invention. You're trying everything in this life and in this world. You're just like this man. His barns. Building greater. Somewhere to bestow all his fruits. He's laying up for the future. He's making provision for the future. But it all ends up nothing. Empty and void. Dear soul, tonight I have good news for you. The Lord is able to satisfy you. Your mind, your soul, your life, your inner man. He's the bread of life. The bread of life. He that believeth in me shall never thirst. And the one who cometh to me shall never hunger. Not wonderful. Only God can meet our need. Satisfy us fully. Now none but Christ can satisfy. And then, just finally, this man here thought he had plenty of time as well. He thought he had plenty of time. There again, his thinking was wrong. You see, What we read here in the verses 19 and 20. He says here in the verse 19. And I will say to my soul. He's speaking to himself. But I'm afraid it's not good. Soul thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Not for a few months. Many years he says. 
And the verse 20 as well. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. He never thought of that, did he? He's laying up for many years and he's going to put his feet up at the fire and he's going to have a great time and he's going to feast and drink and everything else for many years. And then suddenly the Lord comes and speaks to him. This night, this very night, can I ask you a question tonight, tonight here in the meeting? If your life was to come to an end tonight, where would you be in eternity? Where would you be in eternity? This night. Would it be heaven and glory and to be with the Lord? Or would it be a lost eternity? Would it be condemnation? Would it be that place where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth? Oh, how awful. How awful. Yes, he thought he had plenty of time. But how quickly things can change. How, how quickly our circumstances can change. As one old preacher said, commenting upon this, one commentator, the man, the man didn't realize that the flowers were waiting for him in the florist. They were waiting for him, set on the coffin, ready for his funeral. James reminds us there in his epistle, James chapter 4 and the verse 14, Thou knowest not what a day shall Bring forth. Thou knowest not what shall be on the morrow. Where we ought to say if the Lord will. If the Lord will. We don't know what's going to be on the morrow. And James there is speaking about businessmen. These men had planned to go into such and such a town and stay there for a year. A year. That's what they're planning for. They're going to take a flight. And they're going to fly off. And their ambitions are great. They're going to make money. And they're going off to another town. And then suddenly, all is brought to nothing. Thou knowest not what a day shall bring forth, if the Lord will. That concerns you and it concerns me. That hymn we sing, life at best is very brief, like the falling of a leaf, like the binding of a sheaf. Be in time, be in time. The man here, curiously enough, speaks about his soul, in verse 20, but God said unto him, Thou fool this night, or sorry, the Lord here reminds him of the soul, thy soul shall be required of thee. Isn't man more than the physical? He has a soul. He has a soul. That's denied today. It's rebuked today. It's scoffed. It's laughed at. Man has a soul. He has a spirit. Our bodies, when the time comes, will be laid in the ground. Ah, oh, but the soul, the soul of man is going to live. There's another world. This night, he says, thy soul shall be required of thee. Oh, that people would stop and think, young person tonight, here in the meeting, you're more than a body. You're more than a physical frame. Yes, you have a mind, you can think. You're made for the glory of God, and you have a soul. Where will your soul be in eternity? If you should gain the whole world, if you should do well, and if you should prosper with wealth and everything else, what about your soul? Where will your soul be? The soul needs to be saved. It needs to be saved. Oh, there's an insanity, isn't there? 
There's an insanity. No thought for eternity. Yes, the Lord said the life is more than meat and the body is more than raiment. How up to date the word of God is. It's more than that. God has made you and made me that we would live for his glory. Chief end to glorify God. I and to enjoy him forever. To enjoy him forever. Look at this parable, how relevant it is, speaking to our world, our society today, concerning man's thinking, his thoughts, his foolishness. Oh, how awful. But praise God, the word of God, the word of God shines a light. There's light There's light in the gospel. There's life in it. The Lord is able to save and he's able to satisfy. He thought he had plenty of time, but this night, think upon it well tonight, if the Lord should summon you into his presence, he can summon any of us without except, no matter about youth or what age we are, And when the Lord summons, who can withhold, who can withstand? No, there's nobody going to say, well, no, not just now, I have have plans. No. Oh, be ready. Be ready. Be ready for to meet God. That's why he sent his son into this world. That's why we have a great message in the gospel. It is, as you know, and you've heard it time and time again, it is good news, glad tidings. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And don't forget, all these things shall be added unto you. All that we need will be given us for this life and for this world. Now, let us sing together in closing tonight the hymn 215. 215. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Two 